Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show. We're on episode 93, and uh, this is where designers discuss design. We uh, love uh, chatting about games and design and all those fun things. We're going to be talking about holiday games this episode. We have, uh, unfortunately, no sin, but we do have Tiffany and a new uh, third host, Erica. Uh, hi, everyone. Erica, why don't you say uh, a little bit about yourself? Just quickly let people know who you are. Oh, really quickly. I So, hi, I'm Erica. I'm, I'm a game designer. I do, I co-design actually with Daryl. Um, and I'm somewhat new to game designing, so a lot still to learn. Um, that's basically me. <laughs> I, I teach as well. I'm an elementary school teacher. Uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah and uh, as most people know, we usually try to just chat just briefly quick uh, about what games we've been playing or working on. So, Tiffany... Uh, why don't you catch us up on what you've been playing, what you've been streaming, all that fun stuff. The dogs decided to go bark. It's like, oh, maybe they I love it. Uh, they, want, they want to answer. They do. Well, you said like, hello, and then they just went, Wah. I like um, that. Steve and I, thanks, Dina. Steve and I have been playing Star Wars Destiny quite a bit lately. Um, we're really excited for the next wave of stuff to come out, but we really enjoy that game. Um I don't think we have been so into this style of game since Netrunner back in 2000, when we were both separately into Netrunner in 2015. Wow. So That's some high praise. Yeah, we like it a lot. I mean, it's obviously not as deep as Netrunner, but because the decks are 30 cards, it's a lot easier to deck build. Um, and I don't mean that like in the not easy, bye Abby, uh, not easy as in like simplistic, it's just you have less cards to think about when you build the deck, so it's easier to execute combos um, than, I think, with normal games where there's 60 cards. So, yeah, I've been hearing a yeah. lot of positive buzz. I like it. We did a playthrough um, and streamed it a couple weeks ago, and since then we have been really enjoying and playing it. Um, I know we bought one booster box, and we're planning to buy another. That's how much we like it. So, nice. Yeah. I just anyway. feel like I saw an ominous shadow walk by. Was, <laughs> Steve, something. Steve walked. Yes. Steve is, I think, about to take Zena for a walk. <laughs> the ghost of Steve. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know as well, um, I'm going to give a little plug. Uh, Sen, uh, one of our regular hosts, uh, does a great uh, side channel uh, called the Design Mojo. It's actually the same channel as this. It's just another show. Another show, sure. Let's yeah. let's get technical. Um, but uh, last night's episode featured Steve. Mm -hmm. I was uh, one of the viewers, and uh, so I would recommend if anyone's curious about the game design process, you can kind of binge watch. I think they're up to episode nine, if I'm mm -hmm. correct, and uh, you can binge watch the design process as Sen is kind of mentoring and coming alongside five different designers and trying to uh, understand and encourage the design process. And then uh, who knows where that might go, if that's just helping improve the game, maybe even finding homes for games or tips and suggestions. So really fun stuff. So check that out. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend last night's episode. It was, it was this cool. This dojo sounds it's just such, such a great idea. It really is. It really is. So um, myself, I... I actually, I'm trying to think what I played recently. I've just been playing a lot of prototypes. I've been playing a lot of lock and key. Um, another one I've been playing it, uh, or just getting ready to play a, a lot more often is actually Jay and Sen co-designed a, a game called Powers with uh, some really innovative, cool mechanics, which uh, I don't know if I'm at liberty to talk about yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think the the working title of this innovation is the shift, uh, or something shift mechanic. So, anyways, something very cool. It's kind of legacy ish. Um, that uh, right it's, hot. it's it's hot, and uh, and this is a nice twist. Jay and Sen have come up with a really clever kind of way to use the legacy ish thing. So, so enticing right now, we can't know anything. Yeah, well, that's the idea. Is give it a nice plug. Um, but uh, we're hoping, uh, I'm just watching, uh, trying to see one of our guests 
uh, lost their audio and is trying to come back. But uh, I don't want to wait too long, so we're hoping she'll just jump back in. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to bring one of our guests. Ian Zhang's here. And, ooh, look at the magic. Hello. I know. It's great. <laughs> and uh, the other guest that we have that hopefully it'll work out is Tanya Cook. Uh, so we'll see if uh, her video feed comes back. Yeah. Uh, but, Ian, why don't, uh, just to start things off, uh, give a little context of your your game design and development experience so that people uh, know who you are and also uh, you you are a host of a great show, so give that a plug as well. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, so I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast Breaking Into Board Games. Uh, we Yay. talk about the interview designers and publishers and media people all alike, basically trying to get the idea of how did they get there and what did they do and what do they do. Um, so we've had lots of different people. I think we've had Daryl a couple weeks ago, which was great. Um, and we'd love to have more people on. The more experience that we can get out there, the better. So we have a great archive that we encourage everyone to check through. Um, so what I do, I work at the Carnegie Science Center in Pittsburgh, where I currently am taking my lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. And I do professional development for teachers, uh, specifically around using games and puzzles and stuff in their classroom. So I am kind of brought my experience from games into this job, which was really exciting. So I, originally before I moved to Pittsburgh, I was a teacher. I taught seven through 12, all the different grades, uh, but science. And we're gonna have a rotating group of people going through, but um, I'll, I'll, every once in a while I'll wave and that's what, what's happening. Um, but I moved from Michigan to Pittsburgh uh, to follow my wife. She's getting her PhD here. So um, I was a teacher, taught science, and I lost all my playtesters when I left. So that was really sad. But uh, I started designing games around this time when I started teaching. Uh, I wanted a way to engage my kids in a way that uh, teachers really can't. So I started coming up with my own games and I created a seventh and eighth grade. Uh, I had a combined seventh and eighth grade class. So I created this game that we played on Fridays, which was basically any points that they earned from homework were put towards this game. So they had groups that they all got points and they had to use those points to build their civilization and spread out through the island. So they had a lot of fun with that. And Fridays were always a, something that they looked forward towards. Um, but after I got through with that, I just started tinkering with games and playing games and buying an exorbitantly large collection of games, uh, which uh, my wife is coming around to. She's, she's also a gamer too, but not as much as me. Uh, we played quite a few games this weekend. Um, my sister-in-law graduated uh, from college this weekend, so we were back home and then I'm back here and going back home again. It's going to be great. <laughs> but we played Above and Below, which was just fantastic. Uh, we played through four months of Pandemic Legacy. We, I got a lot of gaming. Nice. It was great. It was a lot of gaming. Can never get enough. I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any questions? I, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we have several for you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, I mean, this is like a perfect segue. So you're going back uh, to... I'm presuming for the holidays. Mm -hmm. So what kind of like holiday or Christmas gaming or I mean, Hanukkah gaming, whatever, holiday gaming do you do with your friends and family when you go home? Well, with my close family, I just bring whatever I want to and they are generally pretty open to trying new things. Um, but if I'm playing with an extended family or people who don't really know games all that well, uh, I'll bring out something that is more accessible. So um, one of the go-to staples for holidays has been Wits and Wagers. Uh, I put together a Wits and Wagers game every year for uh, for the past two years now, um, where I go around and I ask everyone questions about what they've been doing over the course of the last year. And I, I put those all into a little contest and everyone gets into family groups and makes their wagers and it's it's a great time so uh, i think a highlight of last year was uh, uncle larry uh, he said 
his question was, how many cars have I, did I crash before I turned 18? <laughs> Always and, a good question. Yeah, before I turned 18. And that, that was, everyone was like, oh, shoot, I don't even know. And <laughs> to me, that was like, whoa. That, you learn things about your family that you just never thought you'd know. Turns out the answer was five. <laughs> he, <laughs> and he crashed his first one the first day he had his license. Um, he played race car driver on a curvy back road. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's great. Like, I got a speeding ticket story. the first day I had my license. Oh, was, no. Yeah. Like, that's great. Yeah, so. Sorry, uh, Ian, do you find, uh, do you have any games that you would say you traditionally were always playing? Like, your your family always goes back and you guys have to play? Yeah. Yeah. Ever get together? Yeah, we, we have Love Letter is just a really that's good one. I, I've played that game more times than I can count. Um, and it's it's so easy to bring out and teach. Uh, really quickly, it's very easy, and code names has been the new go-to. Uh, no matter who I show that to, it, it's an instant. Oh, I get this. This is great, and they get really into it. And because of the nature of the game, you can have a huge group and just play all together. So it's it's a great great time. Um, one that I really want to kind of introduce is the. Uh, it's a new game from uh, shoot. I think it's Z Man. Uh, it's called Unusual Suspects. Yeah, that's cool. Simon. Simon. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know what this game is, it's uh, Guess Who, the like, the old game, classic mm -hmm. game, Guess Who. But instead of is he wearing glasses, the questions are more along the lines of Do you think that this man rides a tandem bike, <laughs> or do you do you think this character goes to the opera? And so you, you start to get these very in-depth stories about all the characters that you're, you're dealing with. So it's a very interesting little sense of community. Everyone's working together. So I, I love cooperative games for uh, uh, family gatherings because everyone's playing on the same team, and that's really no big deal. So I, I, I generally go for those. Nice. Uh, well, what about... Um... What about the the gamer gamer person? Any suggestions or games that you saw in the last year, maybe even yourself, where there's a, a, a game that you really recommend that you think is kind of the new hotness? I am a Czech Games fanboy. Uh, I, I love their games. Galaxy Trucker is quite possibly my favorite game. Uh, but their new game, Adrenaline, looks super cool, and I really, really want it. Um, it's a first-person shooter, but without death. The respawn is like, no big deal. It's like, oh, I died. Oh, cool. I come back with more things. Video gaming in its own way. Yeah, but it, it, it gets to a point where you have no problem getting hit, because it's like, oh, this is good for me, too. So. It's it like takes, maybe a mental reset of how you normally would play a game, which sounds kind of nice. Yeah, because a lot of the combat games, like my wife does not like direct confrontation games. Um, another one of my favorite games is Reiner Knizia's uh, Tigers and Euphrates. She hates it. She <laughs> hates it uh, because of the direct confrontation. She doesn't like that stuff. So having a game like Adrenaline where you have the direct confrontation, but you don't It's not have, resulting, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's nothing bad. It's like, oh, darn, I got hit. But as you get more hit, you get more powers and you get more ability to do more things. So it's like good to get hit almost. Sounds like a good to, game right? to get a lot of different types of gamers in then too. You're not necessarily going to have someone who immediately is out based on, oh, well, I don't like being hit over and over again. <laughs> right. And I feel like that game could be even accessible to more family level groups. Just because it's get those colors, shoot this gun, you're good. <laughs> uh, there are very few rules to it, so I try to tend to keep rules pretty simple. So mm, a little lighter. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the next question we could actually go for everybody, so we're not always peppering Ian. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't know. It's a little bit of a change of format, but I, I think it would be an interesting one. Um, so Odd Hackwell, this is from the chat, he says that his favorite game of all time is Balderdash, and they play it every Christmas or holiday season for the last 20 years. Um, and so I'm curious, Ian, are, you mentioned Love Letter, you play Love Letter a lot, like is that 
the holiday game for you, or is it the it's the Wits and Wagers game? I would say it's Wits and Wagers because it's it's a family event. It's 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 an event. It's something that happens, and it's like, oh, this is really cool. It's exciting. We're getting up to it. Like this year, uh, I'm switching it up, and it's all going to be about grandma. It's going to be great. <laughs> Every question. Yeah, it's about grandma. Oh man, that sounds great. That's that's like a format. You should do like a blog post on how to like do that for other people so that they can do it for their families. I think that yeah, would be great. Them. Yeah. Um, just give you more work to do. That's all. Oh I'm yeah, doing. no no problem. I can, I can, I can swing that. Yeah. It's not too hard. But I'm really curious. I'm gonna ask this to Erica too. Like, what is the quintessential holiday game that you and your family or friends play? This is where it gets really funny. We have probably the biggest, and I mean this literally, screw you game that we all play, and this can be up to 40 people playing. Um, it's literally called Screw Your Neighbor. It's kind of a gambling game where everybody gets one card. You're all sitting around a circle, around a table as big as you can possibly make it, and you have three quarters, so you're paying for money. And whoever wins, wins the whole pot. Um, you're, the, the game is basically a, a try to have the highest card so that you don't have to pay, lowest card pays. So it becomes this like rocket card going around the table where you trade with people not knowing what they have, but there's certain cards that can block you or certain cards where, haha, my card was lower, so I'll stay because I already know I've screwed you. Um, so by the last first people who are playing, you win everybody's quarters because you've screwed everybody else out of their money. That is literally the game we've been playing since I can remember. That sounds like some good, vicious Christmas gaming. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, as people might have noticed, our other guest, I think, is here, Tanya. <laughs> Sorry, technical difficulties. Yeah, no, it's great. We're glad <laughs> that you're here. We're going to probably pepper you with a few questions because Ian has been on the hot seat for a little bit. Yeah. And so we'll, uh, we'll throw a few questions your way. But Ian was great. He, I mean, he's a pro at doing these shows. Uh, but I, I am going to start off with, could you give a little rundown of who you are and what you do in the game industry so people have uh, some context? Sure, sure. So I work for a company called Marbles the Brain Store. They're a company based in Chicago, but they have 40, over 40 um, brick and mortar stores across the US. Um, they also have their own private label and that's what I do. So I'm on the product development side. Um, I, uh, I, my basically my title is director of inventor relations and product strategy. So I'm the one out there searching, connecting with inventors and creatives, looking for our next big game. And then I'm like the gateway. So like you, Daryl, I um, talk to inventors and then decide what I think are right for marbles. And then I bring them uh, those ideas in house and we decide which we want to move forward with. So I've been in the industry. I, I'm new with marbles just since uh, this year, but I've been in the industry for 10 years and worked for other companies, including another retailer in Canada called mastermind and uh, another manufacturer called think fun. So, um, but I love uh, games. So that's me. It helps if I'm muted. That's awesome. Um, we saw a, a, dang it. We saw mastermind stuff. But anyway, um, so I'm going to kind of repeat some of the questions that we've already had. Specifically, I like really like this question that Odd came up with, which is like during the holiday season, um, if you go back home or if you just have like an event with family or friends or if you just have like a great long vacation weekend uh, from work, what is like, the quintessential holiday game for you? Like what game is like, it's the holidays? Uh, so good question. It depends on um, basically who I'm, I'm with and what kind of size group it is. But I would say a family favorite for us is uh, Telestrations. So we uh, will get together with a, a large number of people and play that game and it's just so much uh, um, with our, my family, we love uh, games like um, uh, Augustus, um, uh, Love Letter, uh, Seven Wonders, kind of the games that are more lighter Euro strategy, ones we can play that don't take hours and hours to play, but we can, you know, get a game in for 30 minutes kind of thing. And uh, that's what we, uh, we, we find most fits into our our schedule and we just I have over 
Um, I have about a thousand games in my collection, so there's never um, there's never a shortage of games to play. So it's interesting. You brought up Love Loader as well, especially with the holiday season coming. Um, I could see this as being a big stocking stuffer for people, just throwing in a game of, of Love Letter. Do you think you guys, do you think it would actually get more people, maybe especially like non-gaming family, to maybe try a game if you were happen to slide a small little something easy to play that, you know, at Christmas time? Yeah, I mean, I, I could do some like kind of uh, under the radar sliding or some like big box sliding just to get people playing. Um, I often um, give uh, games as gifts for the holidays because I, you know, we all share that passion of mm -hmm. the value of it, of bringing board games to the table. And I also get a lot of people writing me saying, um, you know, what's your recommendations and things like that, like friends or whatnot, people outside the industry that aren't gamers, but are looking for family games and whatnot to, to play. Mm -hmm. Did you want to throw a few titles? <laughs> you could. Yeah, sure. So I was uh, preparation for this and plus kind of what I've been asked this question a lot lately. So my recommendations, uh, there are there are so many and it would depend obviously on who's asking, but um, some of my favorites right now are Clask. Um, it's a it's a tabletop uh, kind of like air hockey, but without the electronics. A mm. phenomenal game, and it's also great for multi-generations. So if you've got kids and adults playing together, it's a it's a great game for that. I've given a lot of classes uh, this uh, this Christmas season, um, as well as uh, Ice Cool. I'm in love with Ice Cool right now. Um, it's a dexterity flicking game like Crokino. So uh, it's just so in, it, I love what they've done with that game, A, by design, how they designed the little penguins. So you can actually flick with skill as well as the boxes that are the boxes within the box to make up the game and the school is, uh, I think is brilliant. Um, and some of the quicker ones, like there's a new game out the, that, uh, follows Tenzi that's called Slapsy and it's just a quick reaction card game. Tenzi was a quick reaction dice game. Um, no brainers for large groups of people and um, and Slapsy is doing the same with, um, uh, with cards. And then uh, Happy Salmon is another one I love, love, love um, by North Star Games. And uh, they, I think it's a phenomenal like you want to run around and, and have a high energy game, which is a ton of fun. It's very much like Pit. Um, uh, I love uh, Happy Salmon. It comes in a super cute little neoprene salmon pouch. So it looks really interesting. So that's really cool. Um, another game that I don't know if your viewers are mainly in the US or Canada, but there's a game that was launched. Uh, I saw it in Nuremberg Toy Fair last February. Loved it. Um, it was at Essen, uh, and it's not actually in North America except at Mastermind Toys. So I did a deal when I was there at Mastermind with Goliath, who's the manufacturer, and they are the only ones to have the game this holiday season in North America, and it's called um, Catch the Fox, and it is an unbelievable, it's like a plastic action game, but it's based on a magic trick because something happens in the game, which is the trigger, which is magical. And the inventor um, is Jim McCafferty and JMP Creative, and Jim himself is a magician. So he's relied on some of his magician knowledge in order to make this game work. It was two years in the making for them to try and figure out the mechanism. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's magical. It's called Catch the Fox, which is a wonderful um, uh, kids game. So that's another one that, uh, that I, I mean, I could go on and on. But those are, I guess, my top however many I just said. Oh, I love that. I got to look up Catch the Fox. I got to go visit my local mastermind and uh, ch check that out. I, I don't know that game. And it's pretty rare for me not to know a game. So looking forward to that. Uh, Ian, we're going to bounce back to you and now, uh, you know, pepper you both with questions. Uh, sure. uh, 
I, I have a question here actually from Odd Hackwelder, one of our great supporters. And uh, he, he asked the question, and I think this is a, a great kind of transition a little bit, is, is there a market for holiday-themed games? Um, there isn't many, uh, he thinks, that are out there, but curious, like, is that, is that a good idea? Uh, speaking as someone who works with a lot of publishers and does a lot of development, I would kind of avoid that almost because the market is centered, if you have something that is centered around holiday, it's only really going to sell a lot during that holiday. And if you don't time it right, it can go completely badly. So the only game that I can really think of uh, that is specifically holiday themed is Letters from Santa, which is a love letter reskin. And while you know my opinion about love letter, it's love letter essentially. So they already had a very prominent line and they just reskin the game as a holiday theme. I think that there, there is something like that. Um, and But I, I don't know if it's incredibly good to focus the entire game around a, hol- a specific holiday because of manufacturing concerns. Um, because things happen in manufacturing, like, oh, it's delayed. Oh, darn. Well, we're going to miss Christmas. And now you have to either just sit on that merchandise for a full year or you're kind of out of luck. So it, it's a dangerous game huh, to, to play when you have to deal with uh, manufacturing delays and stuff like that. So that's that's just my two cents. It is tricky, but um, we do see a lot of reskins of holiday games. Mm-hmm. Um, well, reskins of popular games into holiday themes. So uh, Tanya, what about you? Do you know any? Do you know of any specifically designed holiday games that aren't necessarily reskins? I'm I'm actually in the same boat as Ian. I would agree with him. Like as a manufacturer, regardless of how the game, um, you know, whether you think it's like, oh, it's only going to sit in the shelf for this long, or whether it's going to sit on the shelf for years, it takes the same development to get it to the shelf. And so to do, um, uh, you know, to 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 develop a game and then have it have a really short seasonal lifespan is uh, just not typically, I think what most uh, manufacturers will put their kind of time and energy behind. The game that I was thinking of when you said Christmas was uh, Letters to Santa, so which is the one that Ian mentioned. So I can see that when you've got a really popular game and people already know it, and then it's like, oh, it's this fun holiday kind of thing, but I think most people just focus on good gameplay and whether it's like uh, appropriate to pull out during Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter or just a hot day in July. It really doesn't, um, it doesn't matter as long as the game is good, so. There's a game uh, that, that was like, that blew all games away last year, a game called you either love it or you hate it, I suppose, but um, that was put out by Hasbro. And it was the number one selling game, um, and uh, I think on the planet. And it was, um, you know, it's this ridiculous uh, whipped cream in the face type game that was, that that got popular because of a viral video. And kudos to Hasbro for picking that up because it certainly did them well. Um, and that kind of game, like, is very much like a holiday under the tree. It's going to get some laughs and some gags and and whatnot. I think it's a big holiday seller, but by no means did they, you know, put anything Christmas on it. It's just like one of those families all together. And you've got like, you know, you know, um, the joker of the family, you know, Uncle Harry, who's like in the house and you want to play this game, then it's kind of a great kind of um, uh, gag to pull out kind of thing. Absolutely. Pie Face is a great example. Actually, I have a video with Tiffany playing Pie Face at Essen. And uh, for some reason, I think she rigged the system. I got hit with a pie three times in a row. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know what happened there. Somehow she has an inside connection or something with the design. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a great suggestion. A really fun Christmas game, even though it's not Christmas themed. Uh, but Erica, you have a, a question for Ian? 
I was going to say to Ian, because uh, I mean, you guys both sort of talked about it, that it's really hard to sell something that's so thematically based on a holiday. But is there any holiday that that almost works for? Yes. And that would be Halloween. Okay. Pretty, pretty much any horror-themed game will work. Um, there is, uh, Haba does a lot of really fun little Halloween, it, it's spooky castle stuff. So like there's one where you have to press a button and it flips a little cloth bat and you have to make it go through various things. So it's, it's just a puff of air and it makes it fly, which is really cute. So it's intrinsically spooky just because there are bats. So it's a great Halloween game because of that. So you have a lot of other like pumpkin-based games, and uh, any any Cthulhu would work on Halloween because it's all the spooky. Oh no, Fury from Dracula. I mean, you could go so many places. Halloween is such a good go-to holiday for pretty much anything because spooky. There, done. That's their theme. <laughs> so, uh, if anything that you do, any any holiday that you go for. Go for Halloween because it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> I, have <a> fun, <laughs> I have a fun comment on this one. We, because uh, I work at a game store, so to prep for Halloween season, we got like a whole bunch of like Betrayal uh, on House of the Hill, the new edition one, and like uh, Mansion of Madness, and we got the, the expansions and all this other stuff, and the Cthulhu pandemic. And like we were all ready and we had this display and overstock, and like we sold like normal amounts. Of, of these horror-based games. It was really weird. And then Thanksgiving rolled around and we like, there was this huge run on all these horror games. Oh. And it was like, what? Like, who? And they were like, yeah, we're gonna play it with family. I was like, who? <laughs> like, a little flipped. Anyway, that's my fun random. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I have Halloween games that I turn to for sure. Fearsome Floors is one, one game that I play every Halloween season. That's a uh, Friedman Freese. Uh, design game that uh, is a you're running from a, uh, a walking mummy, uh, so that you know I, that gets my Halloween theme for sure. But I'm I'm curious, Tanya, have you seen uh, other holidays or other seasons uh, where people have attempted to make games or anything that stands out to you, either Halloween or or another season or holiday? Any value? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see, uh, you know, of all the games that we kind of see in the circuits and whatnot, and um, it's, I don't really see it. Like, be ones that have ghosts or something spooky or whatnot, but it kind of fits the game. I don't think people are thinking, oh, we need to do this for Halloween. Um, or, you know, you put bunnies on it or, or something, and it's like, but nobody's thinking we should do this for Easter. And, um and also there's just so many different like holidays. Is it Christmas? Is it Hanukkah? Is it, th there's just so many diverse ways you could go. I don't really see anybody doing that in particular. Absolutely. Uh, Tiffany? Yeah. So I want to talk about, there's a big, it's come, it's becoming more and more popular in the industry and it's kind of the nerd industry in general. And that's the idea of advent calendars. Um, so, what is your thoughts on Ian the like holiday advent calendar? I know that Brett Bill puts out one, and there's a few others like goodie boxes, and then I know there's even like an Easter one now. I my opinion on oh, am I unmuted? I am unmuted. No, you're fine. Make sure. Um, my opinion is that I I think that they're a good idea. I like being surprised. I I like the ripping of the corrugated little thing and it's just something fun to look forward to every day um that alone i mean advent calendars don't need to be special they just need to be a little window that you would say oh look there's a cute little picture but now i get a game piece what's wrong with that it's great so i mean i i don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with advent calendars yeah, i think yeah. the biggest thing that people get annoyed with is like oh you have 30 promos that you're not going to use but did you have fun? Did it? Did did you enjoy it? If yes, then there. That's, you got your money. You got your money's worth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing with like buying a lotto ticket. Like, <laughs> you have no chance. But well, you have the slight chance. But like, 
you you buy the ticket for the enjoyment of like oh what would happen if i win no <laughs> but i mean the realistic whatever it's not going to happen if you win ooh, cool i won 100 bucks yes but then it's okay that's it did you get your value worth yeah yeah sure a dollar that's fun so 50 dollars for uh, 30 days of fun i think that's a pretty good deal uh, so quick question to Tanya then. If you were to be pitched, let's say a Christmas game, I mean, how would you react? Or would you just immediately think, okay, re-theme, re-skin right now? Well, I mean, you, you, when we would reskin it, we wouldn't, I can't imagine doing it under, I have actually done that. I've pitched a game that was based on a season in, and then the first thing that they discussed was like, uh, well, it wasn't a discussion. It was just like a, the statement that it wouldn't be able to stay to be so seasonal, just like um, uh, most of the companies I work for won't typically do something gender specific either um, because then you're a alienating uh, a gender but also you're also like cutting your sales in your 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 possible market audience in half so in turn so if someone were to pitch me a christmas game it would it wouldn't bother me at all but i'm not usually looking at the skin i'm usually looking at the mechanics and the gameplay itself so if you brought me you know a, a fantastic game mechanic and it had a christmas theme on it it wouldn't matter but you know i could almost guarantee that it wouldn't stay christmas in development to the shelf it would be it would be changed just because you know a holiday is very limiting i was going to say about advent calendars too um so when i worked at mastermind we sold a ton of Lego advent calendars. And then I was like, wow, that's like, yeah, that's a thing. And they're expensive. They're not inexpensive, that's for sure. And Lego isn't inexpensive to begin with. Um, but we, we, they sold really, really well. So, and I know that with, um, with games, there's this uh, interest around subscriptions how people like Loot Crate or these other ones where, but based on games. So there's this subscription model that people are open to. So an advent calendar would kind of be like that only condensed into a 30 day thing. I can't imagine though it would be a new game every day. I think maybe more what Ian said, like a new piece or a new card or something like, I could totally see like a Cards Against Humanity or a company like that that's pretty agile and does different things could focus on 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 something like that um it would have to be look my kids have had advent calendars since they were like born and uh but they're usually like most um based on something that they get as a, a treat or chocolate or something like that so um i can't imagine like it, even having time if it was like uh 30 24 days leading up to christmas if it was a new game every day it wouldn't be like we had the time every day to do that kind of mm -hmm. thing so it'd have to be something cleverly thought out maybe builds to a game or two or something or is an add-on to a game that somebody already has and loves so you get a new miniature you know or you get a new card or you get i could see that uh, as an as a enhancement to a popular game that's already on the market. And these are like promos and add-ons and things mm -hmm. like that to them. Let me need new cards to a game each day you open. Well, I, I love exactly. that. I love that. Those, those are some really great creative ideas. I, I do get the, I've last two years, I've gotten the Christmas advent calendar from uh, uh, Frost Games. And I love all the little mini expansions that I get from that. So I'm a sucker for that one. That's a, uh, That'll probably be an annual tradition. I'm curious, Ian, can you think of any other kind of angles or twists that a designer could take to maybe tackle doing a thematic or holiday game? Is there uh, any suggestions or ideas that, that you have that a designer could try to, to make it work? Yeah, the, the biggest issue is that when you limit yourself to a single holiday, you end up narrowing your market. And that's the biggest issue that I see with any Christmas themed game, because then you only have a very small, well, not small, but you have a subset of an already small subset of people. So who are, who buy games. So what I would try to do is what do all the different holidays have in common? 
And that is getting together with other people and giving gifts. So that might be the angle that you end up going with. So it might be that this game is about giving gifts. Like, how do you target what people want? Uh, what happens if there, someone gets a gift that they already have? Uh, so you get these, uh, that's the angle that I would probably take it because it keeps the market as very, very wide. So that within the game, you could have Christmas things, you could have Kwanzaa things, you could have Monica things, um, but they all kind of blend together into this one thing about give, giving gifts. I don't know if you know uh, O. Henry's um, Gift of the Magi. Uh, it's a story about a husband and wife who uh, take, uh, it's Christmas time and they, they want to give a gift to their significant other. And so uh, the husband wants to, uh, get his wife a comb but it's really expensive and the wife wants to get the husband a chain for his his uh, watch so they all, they go and they're, they're not very well off so they sell off something so that they can buy the what they want for the other person well turns out that the wife cut her hair and sold her hair so the comb is all of a sudden not needed and the husband sold his watch to be able to pay for the comb. So it's like this kind of depressing story, but it's around that idea of how do you maybe deal with communication? And I think that's a really good theme for the holidays because everyone knows that talking to relatives can be very, very difficult. So maybe create a safe space that allows the people to be able to do that. That might be a really good holiday game. Yeah. I hadn't heard that story before. The gift of the magi? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, that's deep, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's so there's an interesting question in the chat, and I'm not, I don't, I don't know how to spin that, but basically, Tanya, it's John uh, Metling says, it's almost as if a non American holiday game might do better. Um, can you think of any games that are based on? more obscure holidays or like different countries or or um religions or, or anything like that that's more more obscure just in general from that mindset i can't think of any something just came to me that would blend halloween and christmas at the same time and that would be what's that demon thing that krampus yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> sorry go ahead tanya no, I, I think that um, like that if there was an angle that might be like especially um, you know not for marbles per se or a think fun or more mainstream but like certainly the Euro strategy uh, companies are doing things because they're they're so theme based and the themes are extremely important and it's always just really amazing when they pull a theme from another culture. So mm -hmm. that occurs a lot, like even like, you know, Catan and Carcassonne and like some of the more popular ones. And and then uh, so or Stone Age or like kind of like those themed um, uh, like themed games are 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 pulled from whether it's real and it's other cultures or whether it's like terraforming Mars or, you know, some other uh, more uh, fantasy based things, although who knows if that, how long that will be fantasy based becomes reality. But um, yeah, so it's like uh, it's, it's pulling from other cultures is always a is always a, a very interesting and, and good thing, of course, depending on the company you're pitching. And the execution also. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it has to make sense to that. It can't just be a theme that's slapped on for skin versus like mechanics and things. That's why I think, um, you know, Pandemic did extremely well is because the theme worked so well with the, with the theme. And, uh, and, and it, that is a was such a good marriage. Yeah. So I guess like, thinking maybe a bit about design again, I'm gonna see if I can throw it back to Ian. Because um, Christmas sort of gives maybe a little bit of a break or a little bit of a different way of thinking or, you know, at least a, a removed from work in its own sense. So do you ever find that this is the time of year you can actually get more designing or more playtesting done? Or do you actually find it 
is it more problematic around now to try to do? I, I find it very difficult to design around this time just because I'm traveling a lot uh, and spending a lot of time with family. So I don't actually have the time to really delve into it. And I try not to foist my, my own designs on my family too much because they tend to get involved and maybe not so much. This new design possibly might show up at Christmas, but uh, <laughs> right? yeah, I've got a constellation game that's um, simple enough. It's similar enough to Ticket to Ride that I think would be uh, doable. But I, again, it's one of those things that I just prefer to say, here, I have this finished game that I, I it's getting published and it's here it is. Uh, let's play it. It's actually published so they can see it, not the early stages of I don't know if this is going to work. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I tried to do a whiteboard thing with constellations. Don't do that. <laughs> whiteboard, like, is, is this the size of white, the constellation? Oh, shoot, I went off the whiteboard. Oh, well, throw that idea out the door. Let's just figure it out, something different. Um, but That's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> the world of design. Ooh, it's such a good idea. No, it's not. <laughs> so you tried it. Yeah. I know that process. I know oh, that man, process. It's the worst. Um, uh, how, how about how, how about you, Tanya? Do you use uh, the Christmas season at all to test games or or uh, push uh, marble games on family members and see what <laughs> what the responses are like? What what what's the Christmas season like for you? Yeah. So I actually um, in this role where I'm at. Um, it's important for me to know not just games that my companies, the companies that I work for do, but companies, all the companies, like what, what, what's going on out there just so you know what the new mechanics are, the innovation is because often you'll get pitched an idea. And if it's very similar to another game, you probably won't pursue it and you don't want to get really far down that road and go, what, wait, they've already done that. Shoot. So, um, so Christmas is a, phenomenal time because um, I'll take some time off over the holidays. I'll take some vacation time and we're a big gaming family. So, um, so we get like games to the table where in the day to day, you don't necessarily like you can hope for maybe I'm actually in a real gaming drought at the moment because uh, I need to find some people to play games with locally. Not, I don't, I'm not based in Chicago. So I come from this little town and it's like, God, I need a gaming group. So, um, so this is, uh, so my kids are home from college and all of that. So I get to like actually get games to the table and there's games that I really want to get to the table that I've either picked up at Essen or Gen Con or wherever. And I haven't had a chance to play them yet. Or there's um, some games that I know that we sell at Marbles from third party, like whether it's uh, King Domino or Goku Ku or like some of these other ones. And I'm just like, I need to get these to the table so I can play it myself. So um, Christmas is a great time for that. And um, uh, so I, I, use, I, I hope to do a lot of gaming over the next couple of weeks. And I have some prototypes as well that I'm working on that we're in development of product that'll be coming out next year from Marbles. So it's a time too where I can just like in a relaxed sort of way, put that in front of a few people and say, you know, what do you think of this? Or um, if I'm trying to figure out a particular component or a particular rule or a particular um, aspect of the game, then it's a time where I can do that too. So I'm never, never not working, like it seems, but I work in the game and toy game industry. So what can be better You're than always that? always playing. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> always working forever and always. Um, it's more than a full-time job. It's a lifetime job. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle. It's yeah. very much a lifestyle. Um, I get that asked that a lot at the game store. People are like, "How do you know so many games?" And I was like, "Well, I quit my day job, and when I go home, all I do is play games." So, <laughs> but um, Ian, speaking of the lifestyle, when you're designing games, um. Fun fact that I didn't know that I just learned, Reiner Canincia believes that designers shouldn't play other people's games. Um, what is your thoughts along being a designer and playing other people's games? Like, do you feel that that's good? Do you feel it's important? Or do you feel that it influences your designs in the wrong way? I will respectfully disagree with Dr. Canincia. 
Um, I think that for a vast majority of people, I think it's very important that you do play other people's games. And frankly, I don't know any designer who didn't start designing because they played a lot of games and really loved it. So I feel that, yes, you might get a little bit of repetitiveness and you might get reiterations of a similar mechanic. So you have Dominion would be a perfect example of this. Once Dominion came out, a lot of people played that and were like, oh, it's great. I'm going to make my own deck builder. So that was good. But then we see a lot of these innovative deck builders now that do some very different things from Dominion. And it wouldn't have happened if Dominion hadn't started that. So I, while I see where he's coming from, I, many of his games are very analytical and bring a very new mechanic to so he, he's he's creating all these brand new mechanics that have never been seen before. Um, to be able to do that, you might need to take a break from games and just observe other things for a second, <laughs> step back. Um, I, I I did that with one of my games, and uh, it was it's like, oh wait, maybe would that work as a game? And thinking outside the box of deck builders, worker placement, all these common tropes within games. It kind of gets you outside of that and might create a game that is actually a lot more interesting uh, in the long run because it shows something completely new. So take a page out of Reiner Knizzi's book and then ignore a couple pages and then get another page. So <laughs> uh, it's, take advice as, as you would as yourself. I mean, I, personally, I, I couldn't do what I do without playing other people's games. Um, but that might not be true for Dr. Canizia because he does have such a, a mathematical brain. So, yeah, I, I, I think you can. I think you can set it. Is that I? I think a lot of us are. You, if you want to get into game design, you tend to be inspired by playing other games. And I don't know about you guys, but Christmas was always the big time in my household for giving games. Like that was the big time of year, unless you started buying them yourself, right? Which I know we all have a little addiction with now. But you know, that was the time to get your new game and have fun. So I have a feeling this is the time of year that a lot of people are gonna be really inspired to start coming up with games themselves. So I guess the question would go back to Tanya because we're coming back to 2017. How would someone who has one of these inspirations suddenly say, Tanya, I have a game, I wanna get it to you. How do I do that? <laughs> so it's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I know for myself at Marbles, people, uh, you know, would just need to reach out to me. So um, it would be via um, email and then um, some sort of an introduction and then um, <clears throat> check with me to see whether or not I'm like in the intake stage of, of ideas. Marbles is probably one of the largest companies of the number of games like okay not not including the the majors but um like like in 2017 we're um publishing 44 uh different thing now they're not all games they're games uh some of them are kind of like uh novelties and things like that um but i've licensed close to 20 products whereas before i was like in and around more like eight to ten so Marvels is really on the move and developing a lot of product and mainly it's because they um, are going year round versus um, uh, just publishing at New York Toy Fair or one of the toy fairs. Since since they have a, a retail chain, they're gonna, as soon as the game's ready, they're gonna put it into the, into the market. So um, the question also, so, so there's that. Um, what I prefer is a face-to-face. So um, I would, I'll be he heading out on the circuit. So London, Nuremberg, New York toy fairs. So reaching me prior to, to schedule a, a, a meeting is, uh, is always best because then you get to like be face to face and, and show me the, the game uh, in person. Um, there's other, that's just the toy fair circuit, but there's like the gathering of friends, there's Gen Con, there's Essen, there's, uh, other, other, so it's kind of like finding out where I travel to and then, uh, scheduling a meeting for that. 
but I'll also do, um, uh, you know, Skype calls, uh, emails, although I typically do like some sort of a recommendation because at some point, um, it may, I may cut that off depending on the, like, like for instance, this week is extremely busy as I'm trying to like get ready to go out of office on vacation and get everything set. But then Toy Fair is right around the corner. So there's a lot to be done. So, um, uh, so sometimes I can't always like, uh, take a, a call or whatnot, but if I've met you, then there's just, uh, there's just that much like, you know, I met Eric at Proto TO this year and it, she rung me up or whatever, I'd be more than happy to kind of take a call or, or schedule something in because I already know her. So we already have a, a relationship. Um, whereas a cold calls are a little bit different, but at the same time I'm open. So uh, uh, that's uh, that. And that's me in this role at marbles. Um, some companies won't see new people. You have to go through an agent. Some companies will only see you in person. So it really depends on the company that you're wanting to pitch to and what you think your game is right for. Cause the worst thing would be like, Oh, Tanya, she's available. I'm going to pitch her this game. And you, pitch me this heavy three hour Euro strategy game. And it really makes me question whether or not you should be pitching to me at all, like ever, because you don't realize that Marvels is not a three hour, four hour Euro strategy game publisher. Mm -hmm. So you didn't do your homework to, to prepare to connect with me. So that makes me more hesitant in the future to go. I'm not really sure. Like I, I, ne I hate when it feels like a cold call. So, um, uh, definitely some prep before, so that I, so that you believe that your game is right for marbles kind of thing. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, well, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. We've great conversation, really great material. Uh, before we go, uh, we like to ask, uh, kind of a last question to each of our guests. I'm going to ask Ian here, uh, as a designer, um, and, as uh, as you're designing ahead, is there any tips that you would give to new designers as they're getting into the industry, as they're getting into the hobby? Um, I didn't realize it's a really broad question, but any any tips or suggestions you would give to new designers? Yeah, we we go over this time and time again on, on the Breaking into Board Games podcast, um, and that's the fact that if you're even considering wanting to get in, into the game industry as a designer, start going to conventions as an attendant, as a volunteer, and just start to get to know people. So don't bring your own games even the first time. So if you're even considering it, just go. See if it's a group of people that you'll like hanging out with. Teaser, you will. But I mean, get to know the people. As Tanya said, if a publisher knows you, they're much more likely to give you the time of day and say like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take a peek at that. That's that's no big deal. Uh, the more that you network, the more that you communicate with the publishers, the more that you, the more people that you know, the better chance you have of getting a game out there. So I, I would strongly recommend that. And bring your other talents. So if you're a good artist, bring a portfolio. If you're a good graphic designer, bring a portfolio. If you're a good editor, bring a portfolio. <laughs> Lesson learned. Bring portfolio. Yeah, just like, carry it around at all times. Portfolio. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Tanya, I'm gonna do the same question to you, but I'm gonna tweak it slightly. So, what? Um, because I feel like you're on another side of the industry because your company does more of a mix between toys and games, and it's not like you said, like the epic three-hour-long Euro. So, what about if somebody wants to break into that part of the industry? What would you recommend? for somebody trying to get into that world with um, design or any, any, I guess, facet of the industry? Well, it's interesting. There's, um, there's definitely different ways you can get into, like if, if we call, I don't know what to call this, like more mainstream, um, uh, you know, uh, type of family games rather than the heavy, strategy euro strategy not abstract strategy marbles loves abstract strategy games um but more the euro strategy so is it would be is it less hobby like i don't know i guess i see the euro one is more hobby and then i see like the toy and family industry mainstream maybe yeah I don't know. anyway 
Yeah. I don't know if we can define it on this call, but it's, but you're right. Like something more what you, what you had said. So less hobby. Um, although like ice cool, is that, is that hobby or is that more family or does it straddle a line love letter? Same kind of, same kind of thing. But anyway, um, the, if you're trying, if you're interested in this, um, this genre, this, this side of the industry, then it is, um, like it would be more shy tag than Gen Con in terms of conventions. It would be definitely the toy fairs. It might be going to um, an Astra or uh, a, a Dallas, like a, a, a more of the mainstream type of uh, conventions. But in terms of like getting ideas and whatnot, it would be just all about um, going out there and seeing what is in the mainstream. So if you don't know Spotted or you don't know Tapple or you don't know Telestrations or et cetera, et cetera, then it would be like figuring out what those games are and seeing if you have an interest in inventing something in that, in that category. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like I love what uh, Jason and Allison did at Game Right, which is um, they uh, took Pandemic and they made Forbidden Island. So there's like these awesome crossovers where suddenly you've got this heavy Euro strategy game like Pandemic. Um, and then you uh, boil it down to something that a family could play, uh, which doesn't have the as huge a rule book, doesn't have the same commitment and time to play, um, has a theme that's lighter, like all of those things. And then they took, they worked with Matt Leacock and they made Forbidden Island. And I, I love that they that they did that, where you're taking something that is in your genre or your category with the heavy euro, and then you boil it down to something that makes it more uh, a lower barrier to entry, and then you um, then then you have something that's even like venturing into a gateway. Which I mean, that I imagine I don't really know, but that's got to be somewhat of a golden egg for some people is to create um, a really successful gateway game. Um, and you'll look at those and none of the gateway games are either too complicated or take too long to play. So, um, and then if you go down further and you're looking at, or you it's not down, but you're like reducing the time and the commitment and whatnot to play and to learn it, then you're getting into the more mainstream stuff um, that is uh, uh, just easier for a family to pull out and play when they're really busy and doing a lot of other things kind of thing than needing like a game night and a committed, uh, like, you know, three hours to play. But um, in terms of uh, inventing in that category, it would just be about kind of knowing what's in the category and knowing what is really popular in the category. So checking out your like Amazon best top sellers and what is really like kind of making waves in the category, because that's what, I mean, before, like, for instance, I mentioned Spot It. Before Spot It, I mean, this quick reaction card game wasn't a, as much of a thing. And then it came along. And now that's, like, what, what everybody is really, really, like, a lot of people would publish a game like that because it's it's quick, it's fun, um, and for whatever the reasons, like, because of Spot It's success. So um, it's kind of knowing what the what's in the category already that is doing well, too. Awesome stuff. Well, I'm so thankful both for Ian and Tanya for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll have you again in the new year. We really appreciate uh, just you sharing your experiences and your wisdom. And you're both people that I think are awesome and really appreciate uh, your influence in my life. And uh, I just also want to say thanks to Erica and Tiffany for hosting the show with me. Uh, we have one more episode for 2016. That's right. So next week we have a, a kind of a finale uh, for the year. Uh, same time slot, Tuesday at noon, Eastern Standard Time. Please be there. It will be, unfortunately, the last episode with Tiffany for a bit. Um, so a little sadness I there. Or maybe, actually... or maybe no. this is. Yeah, well, because... Um, we're driving back from California on that day. So this might actually be it. And if she pops mm -hmm. in, it, 
will be a bonus. But otherwise, I just want to say, especially just on the air, a special thanks. We really have appreciated it. Sen wishes he was here to also say this, but we've really appreciated this new season having uh, Tiffany with us. She's been incredible, and uh, we really love her. So uh, thanks uh, for that. Uh, Erica and I are going to do a quick after show after this, so please tune in to that. And... Um, Tune in next week, and then we'll be announcing next week the new time slot for 2017. We will be changing dates and times because uh, Sen's teaching schedule changed. So with that, have a, a great day, and keep making great games, and we look forward to playing your game soon. Have yeah. a Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. Holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. All those fun I things. I figured it's the spaghetti monster one, but enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Festivus. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. Bye.